Hi there. My name is Matt, and I'm one of the pastors at Heights Baptist Church in Alvin. We are so glad that you found our content online. We would love it if you would connect with us at heightschurch.org connect. And we'd love to see you in person. We worship every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Thanks for joining us. You know, leftovers uh, often can be a really good thing. You know, maybe you smoked a brisket and you had a good meal and you put some leftovers in the fridge and the next day you get up and think, man, I'm ready for those leftovers, right? And so whether it's brisket, whether it's pulled pork, whether it's chili, uh, you know, whether it's leftover turkey from Thanksgiving or Sandra's personal favorite, leftover apple pie with a slice of cheddar cheese on it, right? And she said with the Dr. Pepper, but, you know, with the Dr. Pepper, you know. And, and so you think sometimes, man, leftovers, they are a really good thing. We get excited about leftovers. When you open up the fridge and there they are, the leftovers. But, you know, leftovers aren't always a good thing when it comes to God. Because God doesn't like our leftovers. What God demands and what God wants and what God requires and what God deserves is our best. Not our leftovers. And when you come to Malachi, where we are in Malachi chapter 1, is the people of Israel, they've been giving God their leftovers. When it comes to the sacrificial system and what they are required by Mosaic law to bring God, that God says, here's the sacrifices I want, here's what I'm requiring of you, they're not bringing God their best, they're bringing God their rest. They're bringing God their leftovers. They're looking around and saying, well, all right, maybe that'll do. And so what we've been looking at in Malachi, and why we started kind of just moving through the book of Malachi last week, and we're going to just go verse by verse over it over the next several weeks, is this. The book of Malachi is all about renewal. And so this prophet Malachi is coming to the people of Israel, and they have fallen into what we could call a dead orthodoxy. All right, now, a, a dead orthodoxy is simply, they're just going through the motions. You know, they, they go to the temple but they're really not at the temple. You know, they pray, they're really not praying. You know, maybe they, they hear the, the law being read, but there's no joy in that. You know, they're uh, kind of, they're giving, but they're not really giving. There's no passion, there's no love, there's no real desire for God. They're just going through the motions. And so Malachi comes in and he's saying, all right, God doesn't want that, and so I'm calling you to turn around and turn back to the Lord, and I'm calling you to renew your love for God, renew your commitment to God. And so at the beginning of 2024, that's what we're calling you to do as a church. Let's renew our love, let's renew our passion for God, because sometimes, just like Israel, we can slip into just going through the motions of things. And so this morning, here's the principle I want to teach you out of this text. And I think you're going to see this pretty clearly in what I want you to know. It's this, that before God accepts the gift, he's going to inspect the heart. Okay, so, so in worship, before God accepts the gift that you're bringing him in worship, he's going to inspect the heart. He's always going to look at the heart before he accepts the gift. And so let's pick up where we left off last week. And if you don't mind, let's stand again as we read verses 6 through 14. If you're new with us this morning, I want to say welcome to you. But we stand when we read the Word of God in, in chunks together just to honor God in the reading of His Word. Verse 6, 
Malachi 1. A son honors his father, a servant his master. If then I'm a father, where's my honor? If I'm a master, where's my fear, says the Lord of hosts? O priest who despise my name. But you say, how do we despise your name? Well, verse 7, by offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying the Lord's table may be despised. Verse 8, when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? Verse 9, now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from his hand, he'll show us favor on you, says the Lord of hosts. All that, uh, that were among you, uh, you would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. I'll not accept offering from your hand. From the rising of the sun, verse 11 says, to the setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name. A pure offering for the name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Look at verse 12. But you profane it when you say the Lord's table is polluted, and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, what weariness this is. You snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence, or is lame, or sick, and this you bring as your offering? Shall I accept it from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock, and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. And we believe this is God's word that he's written for us, his people, to love him, to honor him, to live for him. You may be seated. I want you to notice that God is always going to inspect the heart before he receives the gift. And when you start out here in verse 6, you see the principle of the problem. Verse 6, God is addressing the priest. Now, it's going to drop down, and what the priests are doing, what the leadership's doing, is going to affect the people. When you get to verses 13 and 14, you're going to see all the people uh, in Israel are participating in this, but he's really directing this toward the priest. All right, so he's saying, hey, priest, you're leading the people this way. All right, now, for some of you, you just heard that and you read that and you're like, woohoo, off the hook, right? Not a priest. Didn't walk in here with a long black robe on today and a white collar. Not talking to me, right? Totally tune this out. No, no, be careful. Because in some way, think of it this way. We're all leading someone. I mean, we're, we're all leading someone this morning. As a parent, you're leading your kids. As a married couple, you're leading your spouse. You know, you're leading your grandkids. Someone's watching you at work. Someone in here knows you. They're following you. They're looking at you. They're looking to you as that example. So all of us on some level this morning are leading people. And they're watching our faith and saying, oh, that's what a believer in Jesus does. That's what a believer in Jesus looks like because I'm watching that person. I'm following them. So this morning, even though God's directly talking to the priest here, let's be careful in our reading and let's kind of put ourselves in the story and say, okay, where are we here? We are the ones that God's still talking to because we can fall in that trap just like Israel, that dead orthodoxy. 
and we want to renew our passion and our love for God and what we bring God into worship. We know he's going to look at our heart. We want that heart to be right and pure. But here's the principle. God says, listen, I'm your father. I'm your father. Remember, God, he has adopted the nation of Israel. He's chosen the nation of Israel like we talked about last week. I'm your father. He says, I'm also your master. And, and what does a slave do to his master? He fears his name. And the, the way the fears work there in verse 6, it's a, it's a respect. It's to be in awe. But it's also a son is to treat his father with respect and, and love. And, and God says, listen, I'm your dad and I'm your master. And you're supposed to be in awe of me. You're supposed to love me. But that's not what you're doing. What, what are they doing? What's the principle of the problem? He says this in verse 6. You have despised my name, right? That, there's the problem. You've despised my name. The word despise there in verse six, the way it's written out in the Hebrew grammar means it's an ongoing action, right? So God's saying, you're continually despising my name. Right? The word despise means you're treating it worthless. You're not showing me honor. You're not showing me love. And this is an ongoing pattern of what you're doing. All right? And this is the problem that God is addressing with them. He's calling them out on this. Right? Remember last week, verses 1 through 5, God says, I love you. And then they go, how have you loved us? Right? Well, how have you loved us, Israel? You know, and then God answers. So notice what's about to happen again. God says, you've despised my name. And they're going to come back and say this. How have we despised your name? Come on, God. And God now is going to bring the indictment. And God's like, all right, you ask the question, I'm going to give you the answer. <laughs> you want to know how you've despised my name? Well, here's how you've despised my name. Pick back up in verse 7. You're offering polluted food upon my altar. Right? You said, how have we polluted you? Verse 8, you're offering blind animals in sacrifice. You're offering lame animals in sacrifice, sick animals in sacrifice. Drop down to verse 13. Right? This is how bad it's getting. You're offering animals that have been taken by violence. Right? You literally are stealing other animals from other people and bringing it as a sacrifice to me and thinking that's okay. Right? That's what God's saying. And he's like, am I not worthy of more respect than that? Am I not worthy of more love than that from you? And I, I love the way God says it in verse 7. He says this. He says, offer that to your governor. Right? Offer that to somebody of importance in, 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 in political power. Like sit down with the governor of the region and just put that in front of them. And what do you think they're going to do? What do you think they're going to react? They're going to be excited about that kind of offering? No. I say, you wouldn't do that for them. Why are you thinking it's okay to do it for me? And so what God's driving to them and he's driving in our heart is what we bring him in worship, the way we sing, the way we serve, the way we give. God's saying, look, whatever you're bringing me, I'm going to look right at your heart before I ever accept the gift because I want your heart to love me. I want you to respect me. I want you to honor me because God is our father as believers in Jesus Christ. He's our dad. 
And he's also our master. He's our boss, right? When you come to faith in Jesus Christ and you place your faith and trust in Jesus, guess what just happened? You got a new boss. You're no longer the boss, right? Jesus says, I have bought you with the price, the blood of my sacrifice. I'm now your boss, right? And he's a good boss. He's a great boss. He's the best boss you're ever going to have because you and I are terrible bosses of our lives. Amen? Ooh, that, okay. Some of you may need a little more convincing. This side of the room felt stronger on the amen than this side of the room. You guys were a little weak on that illustration, just honestly. So here's what we're going to do. This side of the room, pray for this side of the room. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. And maybe next week you need to flip. You just work that out yourselves. But we're bad bosses of our own lives. Amen? Okay, that was way more balanced and more passionate. Thank you. But that's what coming to Christ is. Jesus, I've made a terrible mess of my own life. I need a new boss. And that's you. And that means what we give him ought to be our best, not our rest, not our leftovers. Now, for some of you, when we talk about giving in church, you're like, yay, my favorite topic, right? And some people do. They push back on churches. And that's an argument some people make. They're like, oh, man, I don't want to go to church. All they do is ever talk about money, right? And I don't want to, you know go to church and always just talk about money, talk about money. Why does it always seem like God always cares about money? He's all in the Bible. It's all about money, 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 money. Well, God often addresses what we have made gods in our own lives. And I think that's why Jesus often talks more about money than any other subject, because Jesus knows money sometimes can be our own, our own God. And, and so I was thinking about this this week. And from time to time, uh, we get some anonymous notes in our offering box. And they usually come by the form of the welcome card. Yeah? And so the person doesn't write their name on the welcome card, but they'll, in the prayer section, they'll often write a little anonymous note, and they'll drop it in the offering box. And you know, some of those times those notes are like, music's too loud, it's too hot in here, it's too cold in here, Pastor Lee doesn't preach long enough. Okay, just kidding, never gotten that one, all right. Never gotten that one at all. <clears throat> but but this, this one kind of stuck in my mind, and it, 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 God brought it back to my mind when I was thinking about this this week. So if you drop an anonymous note, one of two things are going to happen, okay? Number one, I'm going to read your anonymous note, and I'm just going to throw it away, okay? Just am, and I'm not going to really give a whole lot of other thought to it. I'm not saying that mean at all, but if you don't write your name on it, then I have no opportunity to talk to you about what you're feeling, right? So if you drop an anonymous note and you say, hey, I want to see this happen, or this happen, or I don't like, don't like that. If you don't write your name down, I, I can't invite you into a personal conversation. And anytime you want to talk, I'll be happy. You just give me a call, text message, email, stop by. Uh, we'll sit down and, and talk over a Dr. Pepper about whatever's bothering you, all right? So we, so we welcome that. But if you just write an anonymous note, I'm going to read it and go, all right, well, there you go. You know, I mean, you didn't take time to write your name down. I'm not going to think a whole lot about it. So that's the first thing that will happen with your note. The second thing that will happen with your note is you may become a sermon illustration one day. <laughs> and that's what's about to happen. So I don't know if this person still exists. 
whomever wrote what I'm about to tell you, because this one kind of actually did stick to me, and, it, and the Lord brought it back in your mind. So I don't know if this is you because you didn't write your name down. So I don't know if this person's still in our church or, or who you are. But someone one day wrote on the back of their, the note under the prayer section, would help me pray for their heart later, by the way. They wrote this. If we didn't spend so much money, we wouldn't have to give so much money. That's what they wrote. If we didn't spend so much money around here, we didn't have to give so much money around here. Now, again, I don't know if that's you or not, all right? But why I would love a conversation with that person is go, what do you mean by that? Like, because what we're trying to do is like plant churches and support missionaries and, and see people come to faith in Christ and have kids programs and youth programs. So you're saying, hey, if we don't have to spend so much money, you know, then if we don't have to, if you don't spend so much money, we don't have to give so much money. So what do you want to cut? Like you want to cut missions, you want to cut programs, uh, maybe you don't really care about air conditioning, and in June through, you know, October, you're good with no AC, is that what you mean? Like, you want to cut power, and let's just do this all by candlelight? Like, are you okay with that? Like, I mean, but, but that was the heart, the heart of that person. Like, we wouldn't have to give so much, we would spend so much. And so why does it seem like God is always talking about money? Well, that's a fantastic question. So let's do this. Let's go to Psalm 50 real quick. Now bookmark Malachi, because we're going to be right back to Malachi. But go to Psalm 50 real fast. Because I think when we talk about offering, we talk about giving, we talk about worship, this is a really good part to pause and help us really remember why we tithe and why we give of our finances. Psalm 50 the whole psalm is really God is saying, I'm the judge, right? I'm the one in control. And I want you to pick up in verse 7. God says, hear, O people, and I'll speak. O Israel, I'll testify against you. I'm God, and you're, you're God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I'll not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine. Notice verse 10, the cattle on all the thousand hills are mine. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves of the field is mine. If I were hungry, God says, I wouldn't tell you for the world and the fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of the bulls or drink the blood of the goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the most high. And, I'll, and call on me in the day of trouble, and I'll deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Now, notice what God says. He says, look, I don't need your stuff, because it's all mine. Right? I, I don't need all your stuff. It's all, it all belongs to me anyway. And you're sitting there thinking, well, wait a minute. No, 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 that's mine. That's not God's. I earned it. I went out, and I worked a job, and that's all my stuff. No, no, no. When you come to faith in Christ, it all belongs to God. Or maybe you didn't sing that song with us, I Surrender All, right? Or maybe I surrender most, I surrender some, I surrender it when I feel like it, right? No, no, you surrender all. So all that we have, all that we own, it belongs to God. And that's why verse 10, he says, look, I own all the cattle on all the hills. It's all mine. 
So when we give, what we're doing in giving is we're worshiping God by saying, I'm giving X portion percentage to you as an act of praise, an act of faith, because now I'm trusting you to live off what uh, is left. All right, I'm giving to you and trusting that you're going to continue to be my God of daily bread. And so everybody always asks, well, how much should I give? What's the right percent? And I'm going to say that, that this is between you and God. I always encourage folks to shoot for 10%. And maybe right now where you are, 10% is not uh, achievable. 5%, 4%, 3%, 8%. That's going to be a true sacrifice for you. And that's fine. Because remember what we said. God always looks at the heart before he accepts the gift. And so for some of you, 10%, man, that's not a sacrifice at all. And, and it could be 15, 20 you know, Sandra and I, uh, we talked about this before this new year. We've raised our tithe. And, and so we said, hey, let's sacrifice a little more. And so now we're 12%. Uh, that we give. And we give right here to our church first and primarily before we go support any other Christian organizations or missionaries that we do on, our, on the side. We give 12%. Why? Because we believe in what God's doing here. We believe and committed to seeing the gospel go out from heights. And so we've said, hey, we want that to be a sacrifice from us. We want that as an act of worship. Because remember, God owns it all anyway. And what we're doing is saying, hey, we're going to trust you that, that we can live off 88% of the income that you allow us to keep, right? Isn't that awesome to think about it that way? Is God saying, hey, if you give 10, I'm allowing you to keep 90, right? I mean, that's pretty cool. You know, some of you don't think that that's cool by the look at your face, but that's okay. Don's the one who taught me that statement as our financial manager. I was like, no, Don, that is really cool. God allows us to keep 90 of that. So Don and I think that's cool. The rest of you will catch on later. But here's what I want you to get out of this. And here's what I want you to hear me on when it comes to giving as worship. Look in verses 14 and 15 of Psalm 50 again. It says, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Perform your vows to the Most High. Call on me in the day of trouble. I'll deliver you, and I'll glorify uh, me. I'll glorify my name. What, what does God really want? Man, he wants you. Right? He loves you. And so he's saying, as a sign of worship, as a way of worship, and give, give thankfully, give cheerfully, because as you call on me, I'm going to glorify you and deliver you out of trouble. Now let's go back to Malachi. So we've set up this principle. The principle was they were giving God their leftovers and offering. They weren't giving them the best. And God said, that despises me. God's indicted them. He says, here's what you've been doing. Lame, sick, stolen sacrifices you're bringing to the temple. Now I want you to notice the invitation quickly. Verse 9, it says, now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us with such a gift from your hand. He will show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Notice verse 10. Oh, that there were among you who would shut the doors, that you may not kindle fire on my altar in vain. Verse 9, entreat the Lord, implore, plead. He's saying, guys, you got to get this right. And if you don't get this right, verse 10, I'm just going to shut the doors to the temple. And I mean, just imagine God saying in verse 10, it would be better 
to close the doors of the temple than to keep doing what you're doing. I mean, that's how serious God takes that in our worship. That he would say, hey, there's going to come a point in time if you stay in this dead orthodoxy and all you keep doing is going through the motions and there's no love, there's no passion, you're not giving me your best, you're giving me rest, you're disrespecting me. There's just going to come a point in time where I'm going to say, you're done. And I'm just going to close the doors. You know, there's 3,500 churches in the United States that close their doors every year. You just think about that. 3,500 churches in the United States that, that their doors close. That's cross-denominationally every year. That means this. At some point, with some generation, they said, we don't really love God as much anymore. And they probably, along the way, slipped into a dead orthodoxy. And God said, you're done. That's it. In Heights Baptist Church, I don't want that now. And I don't want that ever in the future of our church for the Lord to say, you're done. Amen? And that's why God says this in verses 11 through 14. He says, look, my name is going to go out to the Gentiles. I mean, I love that promise right there in the, in the Old Testament. My name is going to the Gentiles. It's going to the nations. And all the Gentile people in the room said, woohoo, right? That's us, folks. We're the Gentiles here. And what did God do in the Old Testament? He said, Israel, you're going to be my people. And you're the ones that are going to take it to the Gentiles. And he says, it's going. And I may have to shut some temple doors along the way, but it's going to go to the Gentiles. It's going to go to the, to the people I want the gospel to go to. And that's why God invites us in, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, to go and make disciples of all people everywhere, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that Christ has commanded us. And Christ says, lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age, because God always wants to get the gospel out to more and more people, and he invites us into that work. And so that's why I'm so excited right now at where we are as a church and our Love and Lead 2030 initiatives, uh, where over the next seven years, we've got some big plans uh, and, and we want to baptize more and more people. We want to see people disciple. We want to plant new churches. We want to start a Hispanic ministry. We want to do all these things. Why? Because we don't want just Heights Baptist Church getting bigger. We want the kingdom of God to grow. Well, more and more people to hear the gospel and come to know the Jesus that we know. So this year, we're preparing and we're working toward uh, planting a new church led by Carrie Perrin, hopefully on the other side of Alvin. We don't know the location yet, uh, but we're hoping by the end of this year, early next year, that's going to be a new church plant in our growing city. So more and more people are going to hear the gospel. And we're taking steps toward that as a church this year. Also, we're going to be taking steps to starting a Hispanic ministry this year because what we want is we want an ongoing Hispanic ministry within the life of our church so that one day our goal and our dream is to have a Spanish-speaking service over in the activity center at 1030 so that one day we will be one church worshiping in two different languages. Why? Because we want the kingdom of God growing. We want more and more people who are on their way to hell today to find Jesus Christ and to be eternally with him in heaven. 
I mean, maybe we could step up and say today, let's make it really, really hard for someone to go to hell from Alvin, Texas. Let's get the gospel out. Why? Because that's God. That's what God wants to do. He wants the gospel to go. Now, when I just said all that, you've got a lot of questions that right now I don't have a whole lot of answers to. You're going to ask me, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? How are we going to pay for that? As a staff, we're praying, we're talking, we're meeting, we're strategizing. I don't have a whole lot of answers to them, but I know these things. I know what I know. I don't always know yet what I don't know, but I know what I know. And I know this. You read your Bible, and many of you can look at it in your life, where God guides you, he always provides for you. If God's leading, he'll make a way. So I know that. I know wherever he takes us, he'll provide for us. But I also know this. Over the last several years, God did not bring us to this point to be done with us. I think God has brought us to this point in the life of our church to say, watch what's coming next. Stay faithful to me. And so this morning, I want you to look in verse 14 again. Here's why I want you to bring God your best and not your leftovers. Look how he ends verse 14. He says, I'm a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Listen, he's a great king. And what he's saying is that's what I deserve. And so how does this look practically in your life? How do you every day just live out? Lord, I want to give you my best, not my rest. Let's just go over four ways very quickly. Number one, every day offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Just every day, offer your life up to God. Pastor Matt read it earlier. Romans 12, 1. You give your life as a living sacrifice. Every day, just offer yourself up to God. Just say, Lord, here I am today. What do you want? What do you want me to do? Lord, where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to talk to? How do you want me to serve? What 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 do you want today, God? You know, I love this story I read about a missionary who was in Africa, and um, he had led a, a young lady to Christ in the village they were in, and she came to church. Now, this is the first church service she'd ever been in in her life, never been to church. So here she is as a, as a young adult lady, and she's never seen church service happen, and they start the offering time, and they start, you know, people start passing the plate, and they're putting money in the offering plate. She'd never seen that in her life. She didn't know what to do, and she's thinking, wait a minute, I don't have a whole lot of money. What am I going to do? So the offering plate gets to her, and she's thinking, well, I've seen everybody else put stuff in this, but I don't have anything, you know, I don't have any money to put in it. So she puts it on the ground, takes two steps into the offering plate, and she says this, Lord, I don't have any money to give today, but I have me. I'm going to give you me, God. That's what God really wants. God wants you. Just give yourself up as a sacrifice. Lord, maybe that's you calling me the mission field calling me into pastoral ministry, Lord, calling me to teach a life group, serving the worship ministry, disability ministry, serving, you know, the kids area, youth ministry, whatever you're calling me to do, serving my community, Lord, I, I may not have a whole lot of money to give, I don't have a whole lot of this, but I got me, and that's what you want me. So, Lord, I'm going to offer myself as a sacrifice. Secondly, I want to encourage you this morning as a way of worship, offer your finances up to the spread of the gospel. Offer your finances up. You know, Philippians 4, 14 through 16 talks about how the church of Philippi is supporting the apostle Paul on all his missionary journeys. They financially were supporting Paul so that Paul could take the gospel out and start all kinds of new churches and go all kinds of new places where the gospel had never been. So let me encourage you this way. Start giving if you're not giving. 
right? If you're not giving at all, I'm going to encourage you, just take a step of faith, trust in the Lord, and say, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're doing, so I'm going to start giving today, all right? You can give uh, here when you come on Sunday morning. You can give online, going to heightschurch.org slash give. You can even set it up to where it's recurring giving, right? And it just comes out. You can say, all right, I want it to come out every month or every other week, however you want to do that. And you can say that. Sometimes people push back and they're like, oh, I don't think recurring giving is really great because it's not like putting it in the plate or in the box. Let me tell you this. I've done recurring giving. And I know when I put that envelope in that box. And when I check my bank account, I know when that tithe comes out too, right? So there's nothing wrong with the recurring giving. If that's what, you know, you want to do, set up recurring. You put it in the box physically. You can mail it in. You can bring it by carrier pigeon. I, you know, it's however the Lord leads you to do it, right? The office is open Monday through Thursday, 8 to 5. We have some of y'all that like come in and, and you bring it in physically. That's fine. However you want to do it you, and get it, that's fine. It's between you and the Lord. But let me encourage you. If you're not giving today, you're missing out on blessing others and also a blessing that God will give you. So let me encourage you to start that. Third, offer up your praise to God. Listen to Hebrews 13, 15. It says, through him, then let us continue to offer our sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledges his name. 13, 15. Let us continue to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That's the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. Let me encourage you at the beginning of this year, Make worship services on Sunday morning the, the priority of your week, all right? Not a part of your week. It's the priority that you're going to say in 2024, I want to renew my love and commitment with the Lord, and that means I'm going to gather with God's people on Sundays, and I'm going to worship him with other people. I want to encourage you, make that the priority of your week. So let me ask you a final question. What's God seeing in your heart today? So what is he seeing? Between you and him, what is he seeing? Is he seeing that you're offering up your best in life? Or is he seeing just leftovers? I mean, if he opened up the refrigerator door of your heart, if you will, God's not going to get excited about those leftovers. God just says, man, I've given you my best in my son, Jesus Christ, who came into this world to die on a cross for your sin so that I can forgive you of your sin and you can eternally be with me. All I ask in return is your love, your worship, and your very best, whatever that is. You know, the Bible calls us just to pray in our own words, in our own way. And so maybe you've never really prayed or you say, I'm ready to place my faith in Christ, but I don't know what to say. Then I'm just going to pray a simple prayer that you can follow along with me right where you are. And it's God that knows your heart. And so you can simply just bow in prayer and say, dear God, Today, I'm ready to place my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. You know, if you've prayed that prayer today, first and foremost, we are proud of you. We're excited that you're taking that step of faith. And we'd love to connect with you, follow up with you, and just cheer you on in your journey now with Christ. And so you can connect with us by going to heightschurch.org connect. Click the decision tab. That's going to bring up a form for you to fill out. That's going to come right to me. And we're going to be in touch with you to see how we can come alongside of you and encourage you 
If you're in our area, we'd love to connect with you in person on a Sunday morning. Our life groups are at 9 a.m. and our worship service starts at 10.30 a.m. So we hope to see you soon and we hope you have a great week. God bless.